Fasten your seatbelt. I am taking you for the ride of your life. I'm going to show you what this car can really do. Are you ready? I am ready. Hang on. Okay. Here we go. Hold on to your butts. Forget him, kid. To infinity and beyond! It might be a tumor. It's not a tumor. It's not a tumor at all. So you can go ahead and ask me what you're going to ask me, and my natural response could be to get offended. Well, fine, let's talk about it. Any thoughts of, of your own on this matter? But you, is that your thing? You come into a bar, you read some obscure passage, and then pretend you, you pawn it off as your own idea just to impress some girls? Just another American who saw too many movies as a child. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. All right, all right, all right. You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. One movie each week, 30 years in the making. Party on, Bo. Party on, Pat. Party on, John. Party on, John. It's the 30-something podcast. Party on. Excellent. Woo, 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 woo. Mm -hmm. Gentlemen, it's it's Wayne's World too. Mm-hmm. It's Electric uh, Boogaloo. Electric Boogaloo. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's one of these that I feel like is going to be a, a quasi quotathon for us. It certainly could be, I, as I feel like the last Wayne's World movie was. So uh, buckle up, everybody. When did the last Wayne's World movie come out? Was it ninety one or ninety two? I believe it was ninety two. I think it's there's only a okay. year between the two. Yeah, movies. it was right around the corner. It was kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Because he does see in there a year has passed. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. No. Not not much time at all. So, ah, uh, we are the thirty something movie podcast. We do spoil as we talk. So if you hear us start to mention a movie and you don't want to hear anything about it, just skip ahead a, a slight bit, and then we should be done. Mm-hmm. Make sure you head over to our website thirty podcast dot com. There is a lot of other episodes there for you to peruse. For your listening pleasure. And there's other spots on there if you want to leave us a voicemail, if you want to jump over to our Patreon and check that out. Bunch of bonus episodes over there. Thank you, as as always, so much to our Patreon co-executive producers who are supporting the show in that way. It does really, really help us out, cover some of the Mm -hmm. costs of the show. So thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you to our Patreon co-executive producers. You are awesome, and thank you so much. All right, let's see. I think we just jump right on into the all the trivia stuff here. I think we're about ready to go. Don't have a lot of preamble this time. No Marin for the beginning of the episode. So um, if you have not been with us before, we do a little bit of trivia. We tell you a little bit about the movie. We run through some of the major moments, kind of break it down, break down the plot into 10 major moments to just kind of give you an overview of it. We get into our deeper thoughts, our opinions on the movie. We get into three questions at the end, which are kind of loosely based on the movie itself, kind of in the style of the five questions segment from the old Daily Show. And in the midst, hopefully, hilarity and or confusion will ensue. Usually a little of both. A little of both. And a lot of times we talk about food. And sometimes Pat sings. Sometimes Pat does sing. Sometimes. And if Pat doesn't sing, I have recordings of Pat singing. So I will play them if Pat doesn't sing. Sort of like a catch-22 for you, isn't it, Pat? Ah, such is life. It is. It is a catch-22. Such is life. Yeah. All right. Well, this movie, as I said before, is Wayne's World 2. This one came out on December 10th, 1993. And actually, I think I might have gone to see this because my birthday is in early December. I think I might have gone to see this right around the time of my birthday in the theater. Okay. Loved the first Wayne's World, so I definitely would have gone to see this one in the theater. This one was rated PG-13, runtime of one hour, 35 minutes. Directed by Steven Surgic. Surgic. Mm-hmm. Um, Easy for you to say. Yeah. I don't know. If if it's pronounced in the Swedish way, I believe that Steven Sjurgic is from the Jürgen, near the Jürgen Fjords. Well, why not? Yeah. Possibly neighbors with Bjurgen Kjörgen. Uh, Bjurgen Kjörgen. In the Klargen province near the Bjurgen River. 
where the annual rainfall varies from 40 inches in the winter to about 200 inches in the summer. And the chief export is modular mm-hmm. furniture. Anyway, I digress. Always. I digest. <laughs> well, hopefully. Stephen Kurgan, surgic, did Kids in the Hall, Brain Candy, and Little Mosque on the Prairie. Wow, I'm curious to see what that one is. <laughs> okay. I, yeah, I don't know. Very curious now. Might go check it out. Writers for this one, Mike Myers, Bonnie Turner, and Terry Turner. Myers did Austin Powers International Man of Mystery, which I'll, I'll jump ahead on some of the trivia here. There apparently had been some thoughts about continuing the Wayne's World sequels, but Mike Myers did not want to because he had this idea about doing a spoof on the James Bond movies, and so he had started working on Austin Powers International Man of Mystery. Um, you know, good on him for that. I, yeah. I, I, and I think we talked about this at, at the last Mike Myers movie. Yeah. Wayne is my favorite character of his, but you know, how many times do we see it where it just keeps going and then it kind of loses its, I'd rather have two excellent movies than two excellent movies with, or two mediocre, you know what I'm trying to, I, I'm yeah. messing up the phrase. Yeah. Cause now yeah. I'm, I'm going to think, but yes, I like having these two awesome movies as opposed to eight that are mediocre. Right. Well, you know, and I'm sure, I'm sure Wayne's World was great, but he went on to make three Austin Powers movies, and he, mm-hmm. I'm sure, made at least one million dollars making those movies. And then how many Shreks? <laughs> right. Yeah. Just a couple of those. Yeah, and then the Love Guru. I forgot about the Love Guru. As you should. As we all wish we still had. Yes. yes. Yeah. Bonnie Turner also did Third Rock from the Sun in that 70s show. Terry Turner did the same. Third Rock from the Sun, that 70s show. Producers were Lorne Michaels and Hawk Coke. Lorne Michaels did Tommy Boy and Mean Girls. Coke did Primal Fear and The Beautician and The Beast. Composer was Carter Burwell, who did Fargo and No Country for Old Men. Cinematographer was Peter Deming, who did Mulholland Drive and Evil Dead. Little, uh, little independent film there that we all know and love. Editor was Michael mm-hmm. Campbell, who did Train Spotting and Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels. Paramount did this one, and so glad that Paramount sprang for them to go over to London as opposed to sending two stunt doubles. Um, mm-hmm. Budget for this one was $40 million and box office was $48.2 million, even though they had to go to that crappy circus in the middle of downtown mm-hmm. London. Not, there weren't even any animals there. I'm glad he had the exact address, London, England. It's helpful when you have the exact address. It is. Yeah. Flickmetrics gives this one a 61% and CinemaScore gives it an A minus. So it is, I feel like it's fairly rare that a sequel is going to get a score that high on a CinemaScore. But I think if you're a Wayne's World fan and you went to the first movie and you're coming to the second movie, I think you're probably going to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Because both, actually Wayne's World, the first one also got an A minus. So clearly the cinema scores stayed high for the Wayne's World movies. Yeah. All right. Uh, Mike Myers was Wayne Campbell. He was in Austin Powers and Shrek. Dana Carvey was Garth Algar. He was in Wayne's World and Master of Disguise. Christopher Walken was Bobby Kahn. Catch me if you can. And Deer Hunter. Tia Carrere was Cassandra Wong. She was in True Lies and Rising Sun. Chris Farley, who died in 1997, was Milton. He was in Tommy Boy and Black Sheep. Ralph Brown was Del Preston. He was in Alien 3 and Withnail and I. James Hong played Jeff Wong. He was in Blade Runner and Big Trouble in Little China. Rip Taylor, who died in 2019, played himself. He was in Jackass the movie and The Happy Hooker Goes to Washington. Okay. All right, then. Uh, Put that on the list with The Little Mosque on the Prairie, I guess, as uh, movies to check out just to see what's going on there. Kevin Pollack played Jerry Siegel. He was in A Few Good Men and The Usual Suspects. You know, it's it's always fun when, you know, I, I, I try to keep my eye out for Kevin Pollack when he's in movies. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, I feel like... Uh-huh. There's a snake in I, the boots. I, I feel like, I mean, there's some people that are such students of acting. I mean, just such pupils of the craft. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I shake John, my head at you, I'm sir. Sorry. I'm so, are John, these... I just want to say, every time we get together to record, it is truly eye-opening mm. how much effort you put into your bits. Mm-hmm. 
This is highbrow stuff, okay? Yes. I mean, the jokes might be a little corny, but... See, all here I was thinking was this patchwork script that we're working from. Uh uh I'm sorry, I'll put a lid on it. (laughs) (sighs) Oh, Lord. And they urinated in his ocular cavities. (laughs) (sighs) That's two Mike Myers movies in a row where we've got some kind of ocular thing going on. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's, you know, he must have a thing for eye eye terror, horror, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, that's like, I feel like Mike Myers in these last two movies, if he did the writing for those parts, I feel like he must have, maybe he was getting paid extra if he just put the word ocular in his scripts. Yeah, maybe it was a yep. bet with somebody. It's, it's, I bet you can't get ocular in this script. But you can't do it again. <laughs> Tell you what I'd do. Write a le- I'd write a letter to Superman. They, uh, It's it's kind of like me in high school. Like, I had this mission in high school that all through high school from freshman year until I graduated senior year, I was going to somehow find a way to put the word plethora in every essay I wrote. Well, because Hefe, wouldn't you say? And God bless it, I succeeded. Mm-hmm. Every essay, I was so happy with that. Nobody knew but me. I mean, that's usually how my sense of humor works. Yeah, that makes sense. It's like I'm the only one that truly appreciates it, and I'm okay with that. As I tell my mm-hmm. children, as long as I'm entertained, that's all that really matters. Are you not I, are entertained? You, are you not? You don't have to be. As long as Dad is, it's true. Then you're going to be fine too. You don't have to laugh at my jokes. You just have to be here for me to tell them to you. Against your will. In fact, the fact that it's against your will works for me. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, we could take a vote on it, and I would think the eyes have it. Anyway, Kim Basinger was also in this movie. Oh. She... <laughs> Do you see what I did there? Yeah, Look, I'm just trying to bring some color, shall we say pigment, to the podcast and the humor that we try to provide here. I'm sorry. Kim Basinger played Honey Hornet. She was in L.A. Confidential and 8 Mile. Drew Barrymore was Bjergen Kjurgen. She was in Never Been Kissed and The Wedding Singer. And Ed O'Neill was Glenn. He was the Bone Collector and Little Giants. And why do they come here to die? Why do they come here to die? Guys, can you answer that question for me? If I could answer that question, I could answer many more questions. Right, right. A little trivia for you. The story that Del Preston keeps telling about having to fill a brandy glass with brown M&Ms for Ozzy Osbourne is actually based on a true story for the band Van Halen. They actually had a writer in their contracts that there had to be a bowl of M&Ms backstage with all the brown ones removed because they wanted to make sure that people were, like the venues were actually reading the contract and reading the writer to make sure that all safety stuff was in place. Um, And apparently there was one, uh, there was a show, I believe it was in Colorado, where the venue did not read the writer, did not have everything set up, and the stage actually crashed through the floor. So... Fun times. That is why, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, reading is fundamental. A uh, little bit of a sad piece of trivia here. When the director, Penelope Spheris, who directed the first movie, was asked why she declined to direct the sequel, she basically said she couldn't deal with Mike Myers again. Mm. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. There were some quote-unquote creative differences. Well, and when your star is also the writer, it, you know. Right, right. That's got to be challenging. Right. Would you guys say that they didn't see eye to eye? Oy. Oy vey. <laughs> they couldn't agree on a creative vision? So I have to ask, did you write all these down or is this all just? Oh, no. You're firing on old-fashioned cylinders. Yeah, it, yes. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. I took a sip, and man, this Coke has gone bad. No, yeah, it's 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 all. This is all au naturel right now. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. If you guys don't like it, I, I don't want you lashing out at me. John, we love it, and we love you. Okay. 
Thank you. Show All me lashings are lashings of joy. Show me on the doll where John's sense of humor hurt you. <laughs> <laughs> right between the <laughs> right, eyes. Right, right between the eyes. There, thank you. Thank you. <sighs> All right. We're never gonna we're never gonna get through this one. Seems that way. <laughs> we're, nope, we're gonna nope. be here. It's Swing. gonna be it's gonna be cold. It's gonna be gray, and it's gonna last you the rest of your life. In a world where Pat's making dinner, Pat's making dinner, John. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine. I'll um, stop clanking. I'll stop clanking. That's yeah, like a blast from the past. It's, there. it's eleven o'clock at night. I know you're fixing food. Yeah, I know, man. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. The bits just kept going. No, I, I had to, I had to get some food. I, I know you well enough to know that if it's if it's an hour that ends in zero, you're probably making some food for yourself. That is. I am sorry about the clanking though. Oh, I got. I I, I. 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 It's I, like I relapsed. It's it's okay. It's all right. It's like he's <laughs> slapping on the table again. You know? Right. That's fine. That's I was fine. gonna say at least they could it's pick your poison. Pick your poison. Right. <laughs> table slapping or or dishes. <laughs> Uh, in a world where rock rules and cable access is king, Mike Myers and Dana Carvey are back as Wayne and Garth taking on the big leagues of fame with Christopher Walken as the villainous Bobby Kahn. Tia Carrera as the irresistible Cassandra. Can these lovable slackers stage the concert of a lifetime? Don't miss Wayne's World 2. Party on. Paramount Pictures presents Extreme Closer! just like the first movie. Wayne, it's Heather Locklear. There is a God. Heather be thy name. And Garth. I feel weird. In their first movie since their last one. What's it called? It's called, uh, it's called Wayne's World 2. Yes! Wow. People need to be entertained. They need the distraction. Welcome to Makita's. Yes, I realize Parker Ox and Makita Cop. What? They moved out of the basement. I'm what you call Sans parents. And into the spotlight. Yes, and could I please have it? Adding donut and onion string. Let me try to recap the order. A crawler, two sugar bucks, a Stanley cup, a large coffee with cream, a raspberry jelly donut, orange drink, and a box of five holes. Yeah. Thank you. It's the love affair of the year. I'm Honey Horney. Nice to meet you, Miss Horney. Take me, Garth. Where? I'm low on gas and you need a jacket. <laughs> it's the fight of the decade. <laughs> and the rock concert of the century. Mr. Campbell, you're serious about putting on a rock concert. Are you kidding? I'd give my right eye. It's Wayne. I promised myself I wouldn't cry. <laughs> it's Garth. <laughs> It's a whole new world. And it's early your way. Wayne's World 2. I almost forgot. It's the sequel you knew was coming. All right. Major moments. We've broken it down to 10 major moments for you to kind of help summarize the plot of this movie. So really quickly, we start off with the Aerosmith concert, uh, a little bit of backstage drama. Wayne, Garth, and their co-workers headed to the Aerosmith concert. They've got the backstage passes. Wayne and Garth meet up with Cassandra, Wayne's girlfriend, and her new producer, Bobby Kahn, the replacement for Rob Lowe. They are denied backstage passes. Denied. Backstage passes because you know, basically they get locked behind the gate and even though they try to explain, my girlfriend's in there. Hey, pal, a lot of people's girlfriends are in there. <laughs> a lot of people's girlfriends. Yeah. But couldn't you look at it in another way, John? Couldn't you look at it that they got Bobby Khan? Yes. Yes. Which, I, that maybe would have been the only way that you could have had a better villain than Christopher Walken is if you had Ricardo Montalban. Mm. That could have been amazing, yes. and then you could have played off of the Bobby Khan thing. Yes, and had Wayne like doing a whole Khan. It would that have been amazing. That would have been great. All right. Well, we can we can write Wayne's World three in our heads. Wayne has a mystical dream 
featuring Jim Morrison and a weird naked Indian, where he's told that his destiny is to organize a major music festival called Waynestock. Wayne and Garth's early attempts to book bands and sell tickets for Waynestock fail, leaving Wayne to question the venture and whether or not it's going to happen. Bobby tries to lure Cassandra to Los Angeles, separating her from Wayne. Wayne spies on them getting caught and leading to a chase where they escape, but they escape by doing the YMCA in a gentleman's club. And they uh, Bobby tries to chase after them, but does not want to interrupt the performance as they are on upstage in their costumes of the police officer, construction worker, the weird naked Indian ended up being up there, so on and so forth. The typical YMCA village people garb. Uh, Cassandra breaks up with Wayne and gets engaged to Bobby. This fuels his determination to make Wayne stock a success to win her back. She will be his again. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. She will be his again. Although he broke up with her, though, right? Well, he 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 tried to break up with her, but then didn't she end up breaking up with him for spying on him? On her, I mean. Guys, they were on a break. Okay. <laughs> they were on a break. I don't know that they broke up, but they were on a break. It's fine. It's fine. I'm fine. It's, I'm just all, all fine here. Thanks. I don't know why it's coming out so squeaky. Yeah, it's it's a he said, she said kind of a thing. I don't know. It's Yeah, I think mm-hmm. they, they might have mutually broken. Well, she punched him in the face. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's usually a good sign that it's over. When she breaks your nose, that might be a bit of a breakup. Yeah. Yeah. In the meantime, Garth is finding love in all the right places. He meets Honey Hornet, who tries to manipulate him into killing her ex-husband, while Garth does enjoy some time with her. And there are some funny scenes in there. It's like, would you like to have dinner some night? I like to have dinner every night. No, and, and I really, I resemble that remark. I really, that, that really speaks to me. The other, the other line I enjoy from that scene is she's, she's like, take me Garth. And he's like, where I'm low on yeah. gas and you need a jacket. Yes. And then the, the morning after he's Rico Suave uh-huh, in the bathrobe. Yeah. Hello, darling. I hope uh, I wasn't too. A little bit. A little bit of a, a little bit of a Cary Grant thing there, mm-hmm. which if you know, have you seen the from the from the nineties the old Dana Carvey stand up special? Yes. Oh, mm-hmm. and the whole scene that he does with Jimmy Stewart and Cary Grant and yes, yes, <laughs> it's I will not repeat because yeah, we are, it's probably for the best. We, we are family friendly, but family friendly pod. But uh, he he does this whole hilarious thing with let's see, Cary Grant, Jimmy Stewart, and I believe Johnny Carson. Are all involved? Sounds right. In some way. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so a, a little bit of a repeat of that in in his performance here. Tickets are sold, but no bands are showing up. So people start to show up to Waynestock. Garth is facing a little bit of stage fright as he is trying to get the crowd under control as he welcomes them to Aurora. It's not just a town, it's a state of mind. And trying to make sure that people avoid the bad red licorice. Um, don't touch mm-hmm. it. Don't eat it. Wayne goes to disrupt Cassandra's wedding. First, accidentally disrupting a wedding at the second Presbyterian church, and then realizing across the street is the first Presbyterian church, where he mm-hmm. then goes and disrupts that wedding as well in the style of The Graduate. That's one of the other things this movie does well, is there are a lot of other callbacks to other movies. And, yes. And you can tell that there is a there is a love for movie history in a lot of what they're doing because they have a lot of fun scenes. And they did that in the first one, too. We've got a lot of fun yeah. scenes that are paying tribute. And again, it doesn't break up the flow of the movie, no. which is what I really appreciate. It's not like, okay, here's this bit, then there's this bit, then there's this. Qu-. Yeah. It really, it keeps the movie flowing. And it could have been. I feel, so, like, a, I feel like a Wayne's World 2 would, could easily fall into the trap of an airplane 2 where you're, you're literally mm-hmm. taking the same jokes. And just instead of in an airplane, it's in a space airplane. And that's the right. only difference, but it's the same jokes. And Wayne's World could absolutely fall into the same trap, but I don't feel like, even the times they do repeat certain things, it doesn't fall into the same traps, or at least it's different enough that I think they did a fine right. job with it. 
And I just want to say that Charlton Heston cameo was fantastic. Yes. Yes. Really? Is this the best we can do? We can't get a better actor here? I remember sitting there and it was like, oh, my God, they got Charlton Heston. Yeah. That is awesome. And the way he delivers the line is pretty fantastic. Yeah, Yeah, it is. And he just tears up and it's so good. Yeah. Gordon Street. I once knew a girl who lived on Gordon Street a long time ago when I was a young man. Not a day passes. I don't think of her and the promise I made, which I will always keep that one perfect day on Gordon Street. That's five blocks up and two over. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, So after he disrupts the wedding, we have the happy ending version. Originally, we we do the Thelma and Louise ending, but decide, nope, it's their movie. They can do whatever they want. So they consult with Jim Morrison again in a dream. They accept their fate that that this might not happen, and and there's a lesson to that. But then the bands miraculously arrive. Wayne Stock is a success. Cassandra chooses Wayne over Bobby, who is turned away at Wayne Stock, because, hey, a lot of people's girlfriends are in there. Mm -hmm. All right. I'm sure we have more scenes to bring up and and more things to quote, but uh, it's time for some deep thoughts. And now, deep thoughts. I have an opinion on this matter. Don't mince words, Bones. What do you really think? I like it a lot. Wow. It's, It's very deep. Thank you. I think one of my favorite characters in this movie is Del Preston. Oh, yeah. Mm hmm then he goes all Vietnam for a little while and, and Garth is visibly frightened. And I took out the Bengal tiger, but the shop owner and his son, that's a different story altogether. I had to beat them to death with their own shoes. You know what? I've actually used that and forgotten what movie it was from. And Bo, that's the right, that's look. Awesome. That's the right look you should have given me. Right, it was. I for there was something at work, and I was trying to explain something and tell a story, and then in part of the story, I'm retelling how I got frustrated with someone, and I'll just to make sure that people are paying attention to what I'm telling, I'll go into something like a, and they were supposed to deliver this stuff on this day, and they didn't, and like I had to talk to them, and and frankly, I had to beat them to death with their own shoes, nasty business, really, and then I'll continue on with the rest of the story. I throw that in there just as my own little like personal writer. It's my brown M&Ms to make sure people are actually paying attention. Right. <sighs> and then I just occasionally, because I'll do that with the kids sometimes too. Like I'll throw in some little phrase. I'll be telling them something. And in the middle of it, I'll say something like, and I had to beat them to death with their own shoes. So then what happened was, <laughs> and then if I get a look like, wait, what? Then I know they've actually been paying attention. Right. Otherwise, you're like handsome. Was it handsome Rob? Handsome, handsome Dan. Dave. Handsome Dan. Handsome Dan. Dan. <laughs> Rob, yeah. handsome Dave. I'm not handsome Dan. Dan. It's like yeah. it's not even it's not even a challenge anymore. It's like shooting fish in a barrel. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's great. It's now the top of the hour, Mister Scream. <laughs> he does the bullet sound effect. Ah, they get closer every time. Yeah. I had to beat them to death with their own shoes. Yeah. This may be the reason why Keith cannot be killed by conventional weapons. Yeah, I feel like Del, Del Preston is my power animal. I would agree. Yeah. He's got a... Some days, that's kind of what I aspire to want to be, is when thing like... When things are rough at work, I would uh-huh. love to just have a Del Preston frame of mind where mm-hmm. I might have some interesting stories. And if it's not an interesting interesting story, I'm sure something else happened, but I can't remember. And that would be nice. Yes. You just want to forget that you beat them to death with your own shoes. Well... I feel like I need to remember that enough to tell the story. Mm. But yeah. I mean, like really important things like you were at Woodstock. Yeah, it, <laughs> it rained in the morning, but it cleared up in the afternoon. And 
I think something else happened, but I forgot. <laughs> oh, okay. Sure. Yeah, so Del Preston, probably my, my favorite character in this one. Do you guys have a favorite character? Other than Wayne and Garth, do you have a favorite character in this one? I do also enjoy Christopher Walken. I think Christopher Walken is hilarious in this one because he's so much like the Rob Lowe character as as Garth tries to pull out the a sphincter says what? Oh, I see. So you want me to say what as if I don't get it. <laughs> the, la- last, the last guy he he don't get he he don't get <laughs> You very smart. You very smart. I I really like Cassandra, obviously, but I really like the character of Cassandra, too. Okay. Pat, your statement shocks me, but go ahead. Please continue. <laughs> Here's my shocked face. I, I've, I've got nothing more than that. I'm a fan. I like the character. I think, yeah, I think therefore I am. I, I, if I, if Wayne and Garth are my favorite, but you know, I really enjoy, I'm really, I really enjoy, uh, I really enjoy it and I really enjoy watching her in Wayne's world. I wish she would have had more. Well, I'm trying to remember. Did she get much chance to sing in this one? Because now I'm conflating it with the first one. No, I don't I, think I so. I don't think we ever heard her sing in this one. Yeah, I don't think we do. Because the, because the video, that was all the first one with the snake. Is that you or the snake? That was the first one, right? That was the first one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I hope she's not just needing to be rescued in this one. Mm-hmm. But I wonder if that's kind of more what they... Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Now I'm just thinking about her in this movie. But yeah, I'm a fan. I like the character. Yeah. Bo, what about you? Do you have a favorite character? You know, if we're talking about side characters, I think the two camera guys are just hysterical. Like sometimes it's their facial expressions. Sometimes it's just the one word they say. I think when they, when the two of them and Garth kind of gang up on Wayne and tell him he's being a dip, like Mm -hmm. they're just so, they're just so rock and roll. Those guys with the hair and Mm -hmm. the whole thing. I just feel like they're just the vibe of the movie is that guy. Okay. I hear you. Yeah. I like, when you see them kind of like laughing behind the camera, both the first movie and this one, right? They like the way they laugh. I had a right. friend. I had a friend in eighth grade that that laughed exactly the same way they do, like the same kind of like facial expression, the okay. same kind of like. I just I don't even know how to describe it, but I had a friend in eighth grade like he would laugh and and kind of like give you like a sideways glance and stuff like like exactly the same way they do. That's awesome. That's awesome. I like it when they go and order the, the donuts. Oh my and god! They, mm-hmm. And and I like. But Pat, is it broken? Make it. Uh, so make sure I got that right. Coffee, two glazed donuts, <laughs> a long john, and a crawler. That was outstanding. And the look, obviously, Wayne and Garth, but the look on those guys' face is pretty precious as well. They're just like, they're just. Yeah. So is it, and we've talked about this with a few other comedy movies, and I think we talked about this with the first Wayne's World. Sometimes, especially with, and I think we've made this connection, especially with some of the SNL movies, that because SNL is such a skit show, that sometimes the SNL movies tend to kind of come across as just one skit after another, like skits loosely glued together with some kind of really thin plot. And some of them really feel like that. Like you're just, you're not even really moving through a plot. You're just moving from one skit to the next. Mm -hmm. 
does this, and, and I don't feel like it felt that way with the first Wayne's World, does this one ever feel that way for you? Are you ever at any point feeling like, all right, we're just moving forward. We're coming up with reasons to get in these situations where we have these different gags. Not as bad as some, but more than the first one. Yeah. Especially Probably. at the end with the endings and the church bits and the, I feel like some of that feels very sketchy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But as you point out, a lot of the Saturday Night Live movies do that. And this isn't as bad as some others. Yeah. Yes. Everything Bo said. And they're at least self-aware enough to even joke about it. Right. And I think that's what works, but because they acknowledge it, you're sort of like, okay, yeah, they get what they're doing here. And they, and they totally acknowledge it because at the beginning of the movie, it's like, what are you guys doing here? Oh, I just have to make sure we have enough watermelons stacked up here. Um, it's gonna pay off later (laughs) i wonder if this is gonna pay off later like yeah these guys every couple seconds they just have to walk back and forth with this uh, plate glass window here wow that's seems really specific wonder if this is gonna pay off later oh guys our job here is done our workers our job here is done (laughs) it's done Yeah, no, I I think I think you're right. I think this one it it does it does enough of a job to be self-aware and self-effacing enough to say even when they will mention things like, "Wow, I'm surprised Paramount sprung for us to go all the way to London." Like it's you're you're breaking the fourth wall. It's pulling a little bit of like a, a Deadpool type situation, and like I'm gonna do a little wink at the camera and let the audience know right. I know I'm in a movie. Right. And I think there were even some deleted scenes or some scenes that they had maybe in the script but never filmed where they made more comments like that. They were like, well, in the mm-hmm. first movie, we did this, and, and they, they did a few more bits like that. But I felt like they did, they, did kind of, they did strike a good balance with this one where it didn't feel too much like a, okay, we're just moving from one skit to the next. Right. The overall plot is a little loose, kind of like the first movie. You know, there's there's not a ton of plot there other than we're putting on. Mm-hmm. They don't really have to do a ton to put on the, you know, the music festival. Mm-hmm. So there's not permits a and triplicate, of, though. Right. You do have to get your permits and triplicate. Other than going to the permit office and a couple of other things, making some quick phone calls. But yeah, other than that, there's not a ton of plot there, but I think it still works. I think it does a fine job of at least pushing that forward enough. I mean, cause it is Wayne's world. You don't want to be bogged mm-hmm. down too much in an overly complicated plot. Hard to agree, man. Everything you said right on. We've already started to do a little bit of quoting here, but do you have, do you have a couple of favorite scenes, couple of favorite lines? If there are any that we haven't mentioned so far. We covered Garth's, speech at the bar mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> his monologue if you will mm-hmm. <laughs> he just keeps going swing yeah swing mm-hmm. you know really and i and i'm really like a grown-up now and swing 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 um it, we talked about some of the callbacks to the original when wayne goes oh yes she will be mine Again, like yeah. that's fun. Yeah, that's very, that's very Wayne's World. You know the kind of stuff you expect. Mm-hmm. Wayne, I don't think you should mention that Jim Morrison thing anymore. It's just people have started to talk. They're saying things like, "Hey, there goes Garth and his friend Wayne, this psychopath." Oh, Wayne's turned into his old girlfriend. <laughs> what is this? It's a gun rack. Yeah. I do not own a gun, much less many guns, which would necessitate the use of a gun rack. What am I going to do with a gun rack? 
You don't like it, Wayne? Did we talk about, maybe that was before we started recording, did we talk about the difference between hurl and lung butter? That was before we started that was, that was recording. Before recording. When he says, I'll probably end up Because I did working. ask, what is the difference between I'll, hurling and lung butter? Yeah, I'll probably end up working at Great America, mopping up hurl and lung butter. I am curious. Inquiring minds do want to know. So if anybody out there listening to this knows the difference between hurl and lung butter, we would be, we'd be very, very curious. Yes. I feel like is there is there more cream to lung butter? Is it is it more of an Amish kind of thing? Maybe it's Canadian. It could be. That's true. That is true. All right. Well, I think we've I think we've quoted this one to the point we're probably ready for three questions. I think so. Go think, see this movie, everybody. It's fantastic. I think we've crossed. Yeah, if you haven't, I think we've crossed our T's and dotted our lowercase J's. And I love, I love how in that part, the entire office just comes to a complete standstill, mm-hmm. waiting for him to say what he's about to say. I have perfect 2020 vision. I just am a partial ocular albino. This one just has no pigment. All right. Well, since we're doing the forms in triplicate, let's do the questions in triplicate, and let's get to three questions. He asks each traveler five questions. Three questions. Three questions. It's impossible to answer. Impossible because you don't know the answer. Nobody could answer that question. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. When I hear the Arnold Schwarzenegger in there, the, uh, I'm going to ask you some questions. I want them answered immediately. It makes me think of the, I had heard the clip where, uh, was it Bill Hader is being interviewed, and he's talking about being a, like being a PA on one of the was it like collateral damage or one of the like Schwarzenegger movies and mm-hmm. Arnold Schwarzenegger comes out and he's, t- he's telling the story of he's coming out and he's looking for either the costume guy or the makeup guy and I forget what his name is it's like Al or something like that and he's got the big stogie in his mouth and he comes out and because I've used this line the line that Arnold Schwarzenegger said or, or Bill Hader says Arnold Schwarzenegger said I've actually I used this line earlier today on one of the kids and they were like, you're, you're weird. I don't know why you're saying this to me and why you're doing it in a Schwarzenegger voice. But he says, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger came out and, like, he was one of the PAs, so he, he grabbed him. And uh, he's like, where's, where's Al? And he's like, I, I, I don't know. And the, the line Schwarzenegger says is, find him. Show me your leadership capabilities. <laughs> <laughs> it's and so that's, there that's was brilliant. There was something going on earlier today, and I, and I turned to Nora. And it was, oh, because I was at her school. They were, she was at her first uh, debate tournament. Oh, nice. And, uh, and I said, uh, cool. I said, so where is the, uh, where's the debate going to be? It, it, do you know what classroom it's in? She's like, no, I, I think it's upstairs. I think maybe there's a list somewhere. And I said, find the list. Show me your leadership capabilities. Like, <laughs> what is wrong She's with you? She's just like, dude, no, no. Yeah. What is, what is wrong with you? Why? <laughs> That's awesome. Do you wish I hope you said. You? So many things. So, so many things. So many things. You have no idea, child. Mm-hmm. Child, I said child. Take it easy. Blow off some steam. He's dead tired. That was on the other day. I started watching Commando. Nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Please don't wake up, my friend. He's dead tired. Ha, ha, ha. You're a funny guy, Sully. I'm going to kill you last. I'm going to kill you last. Question number one, if you were putting together Pat Stock or Bo Stock or John Stock, what three bands or performers would you book? Excuse me. I've never heard of them. Blues Traveler, Dave Matthews, and Mm -hmm. 
and like Paul Simon or something. Okay. I think. All right. Before the Paul Simon, you were very nineties heavy. So <laughs> yeah. Nice. That's a good, that's a good setup. It's a good setup. Pat, what would you do? Tower of power. Okay. I'm shocked. Tower of power. Gaelic storm. Oh yeah. The doors. Mm-hmm. Maynard Ferguson, Big Bob Nouveau, and Chase. Okay. Excellent choices. Mm-hmm. Excellent choices. That'd be awesome. I there chose. Was, uh, oh yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say there was. People would talk about uh, Summerfest up in Milwaukee, mm-hmm. and they had in one day they had Maynard Ferguson and Bill Chase playing almost at the same time at different locations at the, at the place. And they said, everyone that I talked, and this was like before I was alive, yeah. but they were just like, everyone talks as that was just an epic day of music. Wow. So, so cool. It's a heck of a combination. Uh, yes. It's a heck of a combination. All right, John, what do you got? I interrupted you. I, uh, I had a bunch of different bands in mind or performers in mind. And then, I decided on one of them. I was like, you know what? I'm, I've never seen these guys live, but their songs to me are just so much fun. I got to throw them in there. So I have, mm-hmm. I have ZZ Top because mm-hmm. why not? I've seen them in concert several times and I love their show. Anytime I can see a different, unique design uh, on how to implement the fuzzy guitar, um, I am always up for that. The one I threw in for fun was Rock Sugar. I think I've talked about them before. Oh, They're the mashup band yeah. that does the, mm-hmm. like, uh, Don't Stop the Sandman and, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I, I think that would be a fun one to have at the uh, at the music festival. And then I I would be extremely remiss if I did not throw in David Bowie. Mm-hmm. So I uh, had, had to have some David Bowie in there. All right. Question number two. What is your favorite Christopher Walken role in which he plays a villain? Ooh. Which he plays a villain. What was the one where he played Gabriel? That the angel. We're going to have a daily double if that's your choice. That's going to be my choice. (laughs) That is your choice. That is the prophecy. Oh my gosh, that was. And he is creepy in that one. Yeah. Yeah. There is actually my my favorite one of my favorite scenes. And I laugh out loud every time is, and I think it's Amanda Plummer. I think she's in that movie. And there's a scene where she dies. She's on a hospital bed or, or she's on a gurney in, a, in an ambulance or something. And she has died. And he basically brings her back to life so that she can, you know, kind of basically be his servant. Mm-hmm. But she kind of just wanted to stay dead. She didn't really want to be brought back. He brings her back to life, and the first thing he does, he kind of just, like, gets right down in her face and just does this, like, creepy, because you know he's kind of the evil Archangel Gabriel in this movie, and he gets right down in her face and he just goes, Hi! And it's like the way he says it and the smile on his face is just like, mm-hmm. oh, that is, that's simultaneously creepy and hilarious at the same time. Yes. And you, I think she just starts crying. She's like, "Oh, I thought I was. I thought I was out. I thought I was out." And then they mm-hmm. pulled me back in. Yeah, I that would be mine too. Prophecy. I I actually was. I almost bought the. I found a box set of those at the Goodwill store not that long ago on DVD, and I was like, Ooh, mm-hmm. "I'm. I don't know that I've seen Prophecy three or four, so I." be excited to own these and yes let's do yes have some and yeah. uh, so I, i'm looking at the box set and it's like prophecy prophecy three prophecy four prophecy five and i'm like what the whole oh now i i know that there are certain things that are not my strong suit it was my understanding mm-hmm. that there would be no math however where's number two who does number two work for, in fact? Number two work for. Um, yeah. Number two was not there. And so I decided that I didn't want the constipated mm-hmm. version of the box set. So I was like, no, I, I think I'm going to spend a few extra dollars and seek out all the movies. 
as opposed to buying the DVD set that has all but Prophecy 2, Electric Boogaloo. Right, right. So, so I did not choose to buy it at that time, but I was like, I, I'm sure this is streaming somewhere, so if I really need to watch the Prophecy, I can. And if I find a good deal on the complete box set at some point, I will, I'll partake of that. Yes. So, I question, and Bo, I don't, you haven't said yours yet, have you? No. Okay. Would you consider, I don't consider him a villain. You wouldn't consider, like, Captain Coons in Pulp Fiction to be a villain, would you? Well, I was struggling. With, it's funny, because there was two that I was struggling with, because I'm realizing I, there's a bunch of Christopher Walken I've never seen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. But I was struggling with Captain Coon and King Louie. Oh, yeah. In the new Jungle Book. Yeah. Not true villains. So, yeah, it's, I don't think, Pulp Fiction, I'm coming down on the not a villain. Mm -hmm. King Louie, I'm still up in the air. Mm -hmm. I'm leaning towards, even though it's not a great movie, he's pretty, he's good in it, his view to a kill. Oh, yeah, Max Zorin. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He had to step out. Yeah. Yeah. And then Max Shrek in another not great movie, Batman Returns. Um, It's very good. But he's very good in both of those. So those were, I was flip-flopping between those two. So probably Max Zorin if I had to pick one. Mm -hmm. Because, again, not the best Bond movie, I feel like, but... But a lot of fun. A solid performance from, from our guy. Yeah. Well, and as a villain, he's great in that. Yes. Yeah, just because the rest of the movie isn't. Uh, yeah. And and the funny thing about View to a Kill, uh, for its time, would it have been a decent movie if it wasn't a James Bond movie? Probably. Maybe. Yeah. I feel like maybe. Yeah. I think it suffers from the company it keeps. Yes. Mm. It it probably suffered from Roger Moore not wanting to really do this anymore. Well, yeah, maybe a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't, uh, nobody went with Vincenzo Cocati from True Romance, the one we saw just not that long ago. He's good at that one. I mean, it's really only a small part, but. Yeah, but that's mm-hmm. a, it's a solid point. <laughs> I think that's one I forget because it's such a small. I did start to watch, and I I did not get an opportunity to really finish it just yet because it was a little more, mm -hmm, what's the word I'm looking for? A little more cerebral than I was ready for at the time. There is a vampire movie in which it is, it's basically Christopher Walken, Annabella Sciorra, Lily Taylor, and it is a kind of a black and white, feels very much, very much of like a, a, an art film kind of a deal. The characters were having very long philosophical discussions. And it was a time mm-hmm. at which I was trying to work on some stuff here at home and just wanted to put something on in the background. And I got a little bit into the movie and I was like, I know. I can't, this is not a vampire movie I can have on in the background. Apparently I need to pay attention and I need to have a philosophy degree to truly appreciate this. Both of those things are tough. Right. So, so it's, it's still on my list. Like I still want to watch it. It's called the addiction. It's from 95 and it's got a couple of other people in there too. Edie Falco is in it. There's a few other actors and actresses you'd recognize, but yeah, she is, it's Lily Taylor is the main kind of the main character in this and she starts to become a vampire. She's a philosophy grad student in New York City and she starts to turn into a vampire after she's bitten by one and tries to come to terms philosophically with the idea of becoming a vampire and and what all that entails. (laughs) I switched over instead to watching Renfield. Mm. Which was I haven't finished I haven't finished it yet. But Nicolas Cage as Dracula hilarious. I mean, anytime, anytime you give him an opportunity to just be crazy, you go, sir. Yeah. You want to get nuts? Mm-hmm. Come on. You want to get nuts? Go hang out with Nicolas Cage. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, Nick Cage, if you have lashed a couple of horses together and are somehow chariot style mowing your lawn while you're listening to this, just know I've enjoyed Renfield so far. And I think you are hilarious in it, my friend. Question number three. What is your favorite kind of red licorice? Oh, the original this... Twizzler. Yeah. This is hard for me. I really haven't had much other than Twizzlers. I mean, I've had a oh, little bit of Red Vines. Red um, Vines are yeah. so good. Okay. I probably need to have more. I, there probably needs to be a taste test. I love Red Vines. Classic Twizzlers are classic. What are you going to, you know? Mm-hmm. So that it's hard to hard to shake a stick at that, but there it is. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm going Twizzlers too, but but only because I have not had the pleasure of experiencing all the other different types of the red ropes, the red vines, the all that other fun stuff. Black licorice, I I say nay nay. I would agree. Yeah, I used to like it. But for some reason, I, I had some not that long ago, and I'm like, no, I think I'm okay. I'll, st- I'll stick with the red. All right. Did did we, Pat? Did you and I both fall on the uh, on the Twizzlers? I think we did. I think I just okay. said the original. Yeah. Yep, yeah. the original Twizzler. Okay. All right. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode for Wayne's World 2. If you want to catch our other episodes, we're on 30podcast.com, at 30podcast on most of the different social media outlets. Uh, Our next episodes, we are in November, the Thanks for the Laughs Month Patreon. We're doing King Kong from 1933, also talking a couple other versions there from the 70s and the 2000s. Patreon shorts, are it started in 93, The X-Files. It ended in 93, Quantum Leap. So far this month, we've had So I Married an Axe Murderer, Dazed and Confused. This week was Wayne's World 2. Next week is Grumpy Old Men and Robin Hood Men in Tights. Tight tights. Thank you. December is Good Eaten Month. Our Patreons are Heart and Souls from 93. Patreon Short, it started in 93. Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman. Patreon Short, it ended in 93. The Wonder Years. And then the regular episodes in the Good Eaten Month are our 500th anniversary. And then we've got the movies that fit with the theme of Good Eaten. We've got Alive, What's Eating Gilbert Grape, and Tombstone. And then we have a special request from our buddies over at the Shirley Can't Be Serious podcast. <clears throat> we be, will be doing Son-in-Law, and we're going to try to get at least Jason on there to join us for that one. And then for Christmas time, we'll be doing The Nightmare Before Christmas. And then at some point in December, haven't nailed that down quite yet, due to a special request from our very own Patrick Canigallo, the sweetest smelling Canigallo in the world. We are going to be doing Enter the Dragon from 1973. Yeah, we are. So good, good things galore. I was going to say humiliations galore, but that doesn't fit. There could be, though. There could be humiliations galore. We don't know. We don't plan ahead for these things. Gentlemen, as always, I enjoy talking movies with you. Great to talk to you guys tonight. Yeah, it was very fun. Just fun movies. I think we've 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 done a good job of great movies. Crossing our T's and dotting our lowercase J's. And now I have to go through and we decide if I'm going here. to edit out any of the eye puns. <laughs> oh my gosh let's say no Just I'm not going to. To I was going to say I, I thought the new rule was edit schmedit uh-huh. yeah <laughs> the, the new rule is John looks at the file and goes <laughs> no the file is good <laughs> yeah just say yeah. no yeah John looked at the file and said it is very good and that was the end of the third day Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. On that note, again, thank you as always, gentlemen. Uh, party on, everybody. Be excellent to each other. Go watch some good movies, and we'll see you back here next time. Party on. Party on, John. Party, party on, on guys. And, and don't worry. You can come back and listen to us again. It's not like we're mental or something.
don't worry, guys. I, I'm going to edit it. Look. Hmm. Look, I, I'm going to edit it. <laughs> you don't have to cry. <laughs>